Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, so then I got an email back quickly, actually. It said, hi, Tony. Thanks for reaching out. We sent you our chair because we're doing advertising in your podcast in the coming week. And this was part of the deal we established with your team. Surprise. <laughs> you now get a comfy and luxurious chair to work in. Jen, have a great evening. So I, I get the chair. And I said to Michael, did you know about this? And you said... Surprise. <laughs> yes. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So let's go to the chair. Explain what happened. Oh, you, do you physically want me to go upstairs no, to no, the chair? No, explain what you did. Explain well, what you did. First, I had to take the, the chair out of the box. Out so of the there's box. There's multiple boxes in the box. We brought it upstairs, and we actually have built the chair. Yeah, right, well, you built the, the chair. Core. I didn't build the chair. Yeah, so the chair is now in the computer room, and it has more functionality than we ever imagined. It, it seems pretty nice. It's got a massage nice. feature. Yeah. Walker helped me. Walker and Grandma Carol came into the room to sit on the love seat next to the chair. I'm stripping layers off because your house is so hot as you begin to get that March sun angle. Just <laughs> awful. Stripping la- it's layers over 80 off. Degrees and Walker's like helping, helping hand me the little <laughs> wheels that you just shove into the bottom of the chair, going, when I'm bigger, I can, I can help you build the chair. When I'm bigger. Yeah, so, okay, um, the chair has a massage feature, but you also at the end, I ask at the end for when Michael builds something, all of the spare parts, just give them to me. I put them in a plastic bag, and then I put them someplace, and I never, never remember. Never be found again. Never remember where they are. <laughs> yeah, lo- but you them. say that there is, there's things have to be charged. Oh, this is where it gets exciting. Like, I don't know how to do so this. the massage feature has a portable cord that you can charge it through, say, your computer, which you will never do. You also mm. don't own a laptop. No. Uh, but it, it also will charge through your power strip at the bottom of the computer. So I don't know how to do that, though. Do I have to plug something in? Only when it dies. Okay. And you'll never turn this on. I'm so never ever going to... I should be turning to my left and letting Carol know how to charge the chair. Okay, so now... <laughs> you as to charge the chair? What happened to a normal chair? <laughs> so you got a present, though. Describe your present. This, again, you're just shaming me. So I arrive. There is a there is a brown paper bag, a package that has a sweater, and you've just been circling like a shark waiting for me to come in and see this sweater. This is a Jay Peterman sweater. This is Jay Peterman's take on an Aaron sweater. Now, it's very important to understand something. We talked about Aaron sweaters before. They're these three tiny little islands off the west coast of Ireland. Very severe. They have a certain kind of sheep. They make a certain kind of wool. They make a certain kind of sweater that goes into the history and creates a mythology for the Aran Islands. Aran, Aran sweaters are like bedrock. They're made in Ireland. Where is this made? This would be made in China. <laughs> it's made no, in China. It's inspired by. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's a Jay Peterman sweater. Um, you I fell bought in love it. with the copy. I bought it for you. I love the copy. I, it is... It's the most pretentious copy, and I just think it's wonderful. And I bought the sweater with great fear that it would be terrible. And and it's 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 very expensive actually, but it looks pretty nice. On Better you. than expected. You still y- yes, you're focusing yes, on the yes. price. And we came well, over I a few weeks ago, and you pulled Liz aside, and you had the catalog out, dog-eared. <laughs> you were circling different colors, which would work with my complexion. She goes, "What are you talking about? These sweaters?" Yeah. Then you told her the background as to what the Aaron sweater actually symbolizes. Yeah, the death. in the water. Yeah. And I can really see Liz's uh, stitch work. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be identifiable if you if you. 
go over the side. Yeah, and I, the best way to describe this sweater is if you remember, like, is J. Crew still around? But it, it looks like an so. early 2000 J. Crew sweater that, you know, a college senior would be rolling up the sleeves yeah, as he goes yeah. to study in the stacks. Yeah, so it looks, I, so I'm happy. I'm happy if you are happy. I'm happy you're happy, and I'm happy this arrived before tomorrow when it's going to be 75. Yeah, well, okay, you can just wear it today home and then forget it. From Larry Marshall of the Foothills Collective in Zanesville, Ohio. I get this box, and I don't understand what's in it. And I open up the box, and there is, and again, this is unsolicited. I'm not, this is too small to send back. But inside... Where's Tracy, the protector? Yeah, right. Like Vlad the Impaler. Um, so inside the box is what appears to be a paint can and a, a giant light bulb. You know, a beautiful round light bulb. Like an old-fashioned Edison? Yes, with, with an exposed filament and, you know, a, a, a complicated filament, not just a single line up and down, a complicated zigzag filament. And I put it in uh, and I read this copy. And it, oh, by the way, I must say that the most important thing is it has the logo of the Binghamton Bearcats. Wrapped around the base. Yeah, right, the base of this old can. It's a paint can. Dear Mr. Tony, a couple of years ago, I found myself an empty nester with some newfound free time that sort of snuck up on me. In an effort to keep the woman to whom I'm related by marriage in my good graces, I figured I needed a hobby. So I started repurposing things into nifty lamps, cigar boxes, antique coffee cans, world globes, etc. And I quickly found out that people would actually buy these creations from me. So before I knew it, a side hustle was born. Recently, I made a series of touch lamps by repurposing unused paint cans and putting logos on them for colleges, major sports teams, etc. Since I often listen to the pod while tinkering my workshop, it seemed a nice way to say thanks was to make a Binghamton lamp for Mr. Tony. I doubt there are many, if any at all, Binghamton bears. It's bear cats, but it's okay. I'll, I'll forgive that. Binghamton bears lamps in existence, and I will admit I might never have been exposed to the school if it were not for your podcast. Having lived my life in Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, the New York academic scene is outside my bubble. But now I know, and we can say with a certain level of, cert with a level of certainty, that a Binghamton Bears lamp now exists. I realize the challenges you have with electric toothbrushes and many other technological marvels of our time. So here's the instructions. Screw in the enclosed Edison bulb. Yes, an Edison bulb, Michael. Plug in the electrical cord and touch the can anywhere. Don't try to figure out how it works. Just accept it. If this proves too difficult, I assume Michael can assist. We had, we had the baby boy Bootsy turn it on the other day. You were banging. basically like my 19-month-old playing with a rattle. Yes. He does not play with rattles anymore. But you were, you were staring at this with childlike wonderment as you, you can increase the... The, what the intensity of the light. The intensity, yes. The, the intensity of light. Yes, yes. If you ever want a cool lamp for a gift or just to treat yourself... I camp out over on a website called Etsy, E-T-S-Y. I've heard of that because I think Elizabeth has sold jewelry on that. I, I believe that's true. Homemade earrings and stuff like that and bracelets. It's me and about five million stay-at-home moms selling crafty <laughs> stuff. But feel free to go there and search for Foothills Collective, all one word, and check out some nifty stuff. In my real life, I'm a pastor. And if you don't already have the official pastor who makes lamps in his free time of the Tony Kornheiser show, I would like to apply. You've got it, Larry. Thanks for the laughs and for being a steady voice. So I think that's really nice, right? I think this is a really nice thing. Now, I, I don't know what to do with it. I mean, I, I would use it as a nightlight, but it's pretty bright. And it's pretty big, too. Yeah, you don't have to roll over and you know tap the side. Yeah, so I don't know what to do with it. I keep it where it is. It's really nice. It's a great conversation piece. Well, for you and mom. Yeah, not a lot of people are hey, allowed Jesse. in the house. <laughs> Maybe if the dog starts talking, we can do that. <laughs> oh, do you think she could activate the light? 
I think she could by banging into it, pawing it. So you want to tell the people about golf yesterday? We played golf. Michael and I played golf with Steve and Andrew. I had a nice, really, really nice time. It was so cold when we started. It was in the mid-30s when we started. We're, we're driving over for the frost delay tea time, and I get the phone call from Dad, which is, are you actually going over right now? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really uh, cold. I was dressed appropriately, so it was it was cold, windy, but bright sky, and just night to, nice to get out and walk to play the course. The course is still under a winter setup, so you're playing a lot of interesting short holes that you don't normally play, and it, it it's just a different way to see the course that you know so well, particularly with the greens this type of grass just changes it changes color, color. Change, changes texture throughout yeah. all the seasons and it's fun to see it at this time of year so um i had on not just one but two of those under armor shirts that that fit you so tightly that make you realize how fat you are and i had yeah, two thanks. of them I, you didn't have any of them on i had two of them on and then i had a sweater and then i had a vest over that and i had the leggings i put on the leggings to keep my legs warm. Yeah, one of your pairs of pants apparently keep kept falling down. The outers, the outer the pair of pants, and well, then the inners, the inners as well. But I, um, I was moving. You know, like do you ever see when they say and, and Frosty the Snowman learned how to walk? So I was moving <laughs> like that. You know, sort of like the cowboy walk. Yeah, but well, one foot in front of the mechanical. Other. <laughs> yeah, very mechanical walk. I actually didn't play badly. I, I, I think I, I putted pretty well, and I, I think I broke ninety. Short course, obviously. The course that I play now because I'm so old. Well. Yeah, so I was I was pretty happy. We got with a new pre swing thought. Trying to keep your uh, yeah keep lifting your lifting up levels. a little bit. So I um yeah not dropping the club and not dropping yeah. my body. So I had a really I had a really good time. First time I played in a very long time. I had a really good time. My first time out in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Well, the day before I went out and played two holes, triple triple. That's not a good start. It's it's sort of it's the way Rory McIlroy starts on Sundays of tournaments now. Triple triple. Can I put it? Is there any water on this hole? Let me try and put it in. Six footer by the hole. Yeah. So, um, by the way, and, and Wilbon and I will talk about this coming up. A lot of gagging in the golf yesterday, guys. You know, Jordan Spieth may never win a tournament because he gets to Sunday and he gags. He just he gags now. It's sad. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, when we come back. Wilbon will join us. Wilbon and I watched a lot of the same things yesterday, and so we will talk about that. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the solo Sovan, and before I get to it, I want to read this email by John Gilmore. Hello, I'm considering using the TK Show code to purchase a solo stove, but I'm wondering if these units provide enough warmth to offset DC winter temps, or if they're better for a spring or late fall evening. It seems that the design would cause all of the heat to be vectored straight up above the unit instead of out. My current fire pit provides a radius of warmth that extends 6 to 10 feet, but that is accompanied by the smoke that the solo stove eliminates. I have searched online reviews but have been unsuccessful in finding an answer to the question. Any assistance is appreciated. Michael, are we able to offer John Gilmore any particular assistance? In terms of actual feet, I, I can't give you that answer, but I think we can figure this out because we will be taking the trip yeah. and lighting up the solar stove on those river river uh, sort of front evenings. I I would say this. I, I think it's gonna. We rarely get those nights in this town where it's gonna be well below twenty five for sustained periods of time. So I think you're fine in that same in that same six to eight eight to hey, ten Mike, foot range that you've had before. Yeah. Oh, Sean's on. Ooh. Sean got Wilbon. All right, let's do the solo <laughs> stove ad. Uh, it says, host ad-lib talk about any favorite fireside memories you have, decent or recent. Distant or recent. I love fireplaces. Only on cold nights. 
I love lighting the fires. I put in, I go around the neighborhood and I pick up pine cones and I like the pine cones and I like the wood and I do it for about an hour and a half and it makes me very happy. See, now, love, that's indoors. Any night, any night outside, protect, outside, protector of the fire, I love it. See, this is what you do. Deciding you, you like, when, you, when, you, yeah. when you've earned another log. I don't, I don't think that anybody from Northern and Midwestern climates I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like sitting around a fire every once in a while. And Solo Stove obviously makes this very easy. Um, I'll, I'll read the copy. Oh, the dog is barking. Solo Stove creates story-worthy moments. Fireside fumes not included. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke you'll wonder how there's so much fire. No campfire smell on your clothes or hair. Nothing left but ultra-fine ash for an easy cleanup. From camp stoves to backyard bonfires, Solo Stove products are portable and built to last. Easy to light with a few bits of starter, your fire is blazing in minutes. Take your Solo Stove with you on the road, as Michael has done in South Carolina, or set it up on your rooftop or backyard. And Solo Stove is so confident in their products, they give you a lifetime warranty for every purchase. I love the notion of rooftop. I love the notion if you have, if you can get up on the top of your building, if you live in an apartment and you can have one of these or if you live in a house and you suddenly have a deck on the second or third floor, which some houses do, that'd be wonderful. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code Tony K at checkout. Go to solostove.com, S-O-L-O-S-T-O-V-E.com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code Tony K. And so use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from Samuel, whose stage name is Saint Samuel. He writes, I have a new song that came out last week called Ya Bomb, which also includes the incredibly talented Sealy Giante on vocals with me, and I would love for you to play it on the show. I'm 23 years old, living in Richmond, Virginia. I perform under my own name, Sam McCoy, since I was 13 years old and a couple of months ago rebranded to Saint Samuel, following a pretty dramatic image and sound change. I have a degree in IT from VCU. I have a full-time job working for a tech company from home. I spend a couple of hours every night working on my music as it is a true love of mine and hopefully something I can turn into a career someday. St. Samuel. Again, Yabam is the name of it and it plays in Michael Wilbon. Now, as you people know, I prepare a lot of questions and it's easy to prepare questions for Wilbon on the day after the All-Star Game and I wrote a whole bunch of questions down on the All-Star Game. And then something happened uh, that changed our lives. Uh, not dramatically or anything like that, but something happened that changed the course of what we're going to talk about. Of course, he and I both watched the golf yesterday with different interpretations of different people. But as I was going through the dial after the golf, I went to ESPN and found something so unexpected and so fabulous that I texted him and Kelleher texted me and him and everybody got on this thing. Wilbon, describe what we were able to watch 50 years later. Yep, 50 years ago today uh, is the anniversary, or today is the anniversary, of something yeah. that happened 50 years ago today, the fight between the first fight, Madison Square Garden, Ali Frazier, which is um, the greatest event of my life. And there's no doubt about it. It's the greatest sporting event. And maybe just the greatest event. I mean, no, no, nothing, nothing that has happened since is as good or as dramatic or as compelling or worth retelling or rewatching or reliving. Nothing. I was 12 years old when this fight happened. 
And unlike a lot of people, I was able to actually see the fight. Um, and not in person, but I was actually able to go and watch it on closed circuit, which was yep. the only way you could consume it in, 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 in the United States of America, as far as I know. And it cost, I remember it cost $15. $15 in 1971 to go and see this fight. And, and Don and I had asked my father, can we go see this fight? Two, three months earlier. Can we go see the fight? This is Muhammad Ali. And my father, my mother stepped in and said, no, 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 no. You can't spend 40, $45 in a week. $45 was probably about a third of a week check of my, fa- of my father's salary. So, no, yeah, you, can't, you can't go see that. But on the night of the fight, at dinner, my father had placed the tickets on our dinner plates. Wow, and that's so nice. Fifteen dollars, and there were four of them because my uncle Sonny went. So my father spent sixty dollars. I, I, I know it's the most upset I'd ever seen my mother, ever in my life at the, to that time. And we went to the Chicago Amphitheater to watch it on closed circuit. It was supposed to be in black and white, but because for because you had to spend like thirty bucks a seat to go see it in color at the at the old Chicago Stadium. But somehow the seeds got mixed up or something. And for the 15, we got it in color. We got to every seat packed. Every seat everywhere this thing was shown was packed. And, you know, it was the most devastating night of my life because Muhammad Ali lost. The worst night of my life. To this, to this day, worst night. As I look back on it and what I felt. And so, Tony, when I watched that, I've watched the fight back. I don't know, six, eight times. Last night was the first night. It has taken me to 62 years old to watch the fight and just say to myself, oh, yeah, Ali got his butt kicked. It's taken me 50 years. I don't know about you, but for me, I finally last night reconciled myself that Joe Frazier landed more than hooks to Ali's head. Everything. It's just, it's just, and if people think, so people listening to this who are, you know, you know, if you're under, if you're under 58, you can't even remember it. People would think that something in their town that was bigger, you know, if you grew up in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are bigger. Yeah, they were bigger to you. When you grew up in Chicago, the Bears are bigger. You grew up in Washington, the, the, the Washington football team was bigger. What they did when they beat the Dolphins. No, nothing was even close to this. In terms of worldwide importance of a sporting event, not the Olympics, not the World Cup, because in Great Britain, where they think a lot of the World Cup, 30% of the people watched the fight. 30% of the population of Great Britain watched the fight, which started at about 2 a.m. in London. So one of the things that, you know, is remarkable about it is that 300 million people worldwide watch this. And you say, well, 300 million, it's not that many. I mean, there's 300 million people in the United States. But most of the world was not wired for closed circuit. They weren't (laughs) wired. If everybody was wired for it, 5 billion people would have watched this if they could. That's right. This is in a period of time. And now we will, Wilbon and I will sound old. And we don't want to sound old. So I'm going to be as professorial as I can be. This was in a period of time where the most important thing in sports 
bar none, not close, not the Super Bowl, not the NBA champion, not the World Series champion, was the heavyweight champion of the world. He was the most recognized figure in the world, maybe including the Pope, because not every country is Catholic, the heavyweight champion of the world. That's right. This was a fight right. in the greatest indoor sporting arena in the world between two undefeated people of enormous worth to their sports, enormous worth. It had a backstory that I'm not going to go into about the insults from our leader phrase. I'm not even going to bother to do that. It's, it's unimportant now. But it was the most anticipated sporting event ever. It's really simple, ever to that point, because more people could see it because of the limited technology than could see Dempsey Tunney. Dempsey Tunney, there was no closed circuit. It didn't exist. So you had a market for it. You had two incredibly worthy fighters. You had a background of politics and social feeling that was important. And you had a performance by Joe Frage. People said he was never that way again. Of course not. He rose to the occasion like nobody ever rose to the occasion because Ali was good. Even in the 13th and the 14th and the 15th round, Ali stood back and unleashed right hands. And Joe Frazier yeah. was relentless. And we watched this review. We watched it again with Mark Kriegel and Joe Tessitore. And, and, and it, it was mes mesmerizing. Am I right? Mesmerizing. You can't take your eyes off it. No. I'd watch it again if it started. the telecast started down. It, 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 just... it, first of all, what happened to the two men, and people don't understand, they don't, the, the politics of it, you know, so the, the heavyweight championship of the world, going back to John L. Sullivan, always did have something to do with, maybe it doesn't anymore for the first time in our lives, with the great white hope. That was, that, that, was a, that was an important part of the dynamic of the heavyweight championship of the world by the time we got to, with, with going back to Jack Johnson. Yes. So... And so you look at this and you say, well, what are you talking about, Will Vaughn? You're an idiot. The both fighters were black. No idiot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Joe mm -hmm. Frazier was the great white hope. A yeah. poor, a destitute man. A black man who wound up in Philly. But from, from Mississippi, Tony, where's Joe Frazier from? I thought South Carolina, Indiana, but I could be wrong. I thought, South, I thought it was South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and the, there's, a, there's an incredible documentary about the fight that people should see. If they think we're exaggerating one word, it's called A Nation Divided. And I think it was on HBO. And it set the stage for this fight and what it meant to people and why everyone watched. Everyone. Not like everyone watches The Bachelor. Every single <laughs> human being watched this thing and, and had a stake in it and had an opinion about it. We, Tony, I was in uh, sixth grade. And the teacher said, Mrs. Pogue said, everybody raise your hand who's rooting for Joe Frazier tonight. And one kid, Linda Owens, I remember this to this day, I remember her name, Linda Owens, she raised her hand. Everybody raise your hand if you're rooting for Muhammad Ali tonight. 31 kids raised their hands. And then chased Linda Owens home from school, like a mob, chased her, because she wanted Frazier. This was not what you said in black America, in urban black America, maybe in parts of rural America, not where I live, not in, not on the south side of Chicago where Muhammad Ali also lived. Well, so, it, you, also, you also need to remember this, that there's a lot of young white people who are rooting for Ali as well because yes, they thought yes, he got yes, hosed again, when they took away his way, title. Yes, yes. I mean, all, yeah. all of yeah. this was there. 
And yeah. so, you know, to go and see this, to see it, oh. and then to, to, to and, and of course, Tony, as, as we know, it wasn't even the best fight, as it turns out. At the time, it's the most important sporting event on the planet. Again, World Cup? No. No, 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 no. No, this fight. And so the, the, the thrill in Manila turned out to be just because it was so violent and it was so incredibly, I don't know, waged that the third fight turned out to be better. You would agree with me on that, right? I would, but there was nothing ever as stunning uh, as Ali going down in the 15th round. No, Ali went down and you, and you went... Single greatest oh. punch maybe ever <laughs> thrown... And was, he was up at the count of three. Yeah, he oh, was geez. he was staggered in the eleventh. He went yeah. down in the fifteenth, and that was the gasp moment because this is Muhammad Ali. And you go, oh, and, and Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier has never gotten enough credit for that fight. This is just he unbelievable how great he was. Because there are people like me, even adults. I, I was twelve. Who cared what I thought? There yeah, you're in denial. Who, you're in Frazier you're denial. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so Greg, Greg, uh, I mean Bryant Gumble speaks so eloquently to this about how it couldn't have happened. It just couldn't have happened because if Ali lost, we all lost, and that's the way that half half the country. I don't know if it was fifty fifty, but you didn't have all the polling and sort of you know people were able to weigh in that you have now. So you could you didn't exactly know who was rooting for whom, but it, I bet it was probably fifty fifty or along those lines. And, and, and Gumble, Brian Gumble talks about crying himself to sleep that night. I don't know that I cried myself to sleep that night, but I was off for weeks. The, the, the notion that, that Ali could lose this fight. And of course, Tony, and Kriegel says this very eloquently. I, I just recommend to people, you can, there's no way this is only playing once. It's going to play over and over and over. So and good. It's so, so good. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know it was on. It was so good. And, and not only. How about, right. No, no. Okay, how about uh, Joe Frazier was never the same. Well, neither guy was no, never the same. No, neither. Joe neither Frazier guy. Frazier was done. Yeah. Hey, well, he, it, 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 he spent all the money. He spent every ounce well, of I, energy that he had yeah, in yeah, yeah, that. No, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I, I'm just yeah. using that as a metaphor. Everything oh, okay. he had, he spent on that fight. And there was nothing left. Yes, he did. As, as good as he, he still was. Yeah, you, right. and, and not because only that. The third fight was there. Yeah. After that, they had an hour-long show on Walter Yost Jr. and the people he photographed and Chris Everett and Kobe Bryant and Joe Namath and Ken Griffey Jr. talked and talked and talked and you went, my God, I, I didn't know these people could talk like this. It's so interesting. No, no. Even, let me tell you something. I, Tony, so I didn't watch any of the All-Star game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I didn't either. I don't care. Even today, I don't care. People will say, well, how you can't say that? You it's an exhibition. It's nonsense. Sorry, it's nonsense. Sorry, this yeah. is the greatest event of my life. And then it does sort of continue. People say, well, how can, how can the, the celebration of goats, well, you can tie it, of course, to Ali, but how can you tie that you know, to, the, to a photographer? Well, because he and Neil Leifer, and how about the fact that they got them all? The two Leifer and Yost the got them all. Staff. Sports it's Illustrated, the great, they're the greatest. Tony, yeah. did you stay up late enough to see when Yost photographed Ali and Frazier toward the end? Did you, were you, no. did you see that? No, no, Tony, I was done, I was Tony, done but I was so happy to have seen this show, to have heard these people 
I was so happy. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, you know, the All-Star game, I, I literally went over for like, honestly, five seconds. And I said to myself, why am I watching this? Why? That, that, Let me go back that, to the that, other I thing. I went over. So, I knew they yeah. had to get somebody had to get to 170. But then I said, I said I'm sorry, I'm not watching this. And uh, let, me, let me just say this. Let me add this quickly. Um, I, I, not only have I watched Kobe Bryant talk all of his oh, life. Oh, he's very impressive. Adult life, very I impressive. have talked to Kobe Bryant from, I don't know, maybe not 18 to 40, but I don't know, 20 to 40. His, his whole his adult life. And I Kobe Bryant was brilliant. He was mesmerizing, talking about the photography of Walter Yost and talking yeah. about just a pre. At one point, Kobe says, "You know, there are pictures and then there's art." This guy was an artist, and he talked about just sitting down with Walter Yost, going over photographs, including things of Kobe himself. And he clearly did this about a year and a half ago. This sat for this interview, which took a long time to do yes. this documentary. Yes. And yes. I mean, look, Derek Jeter was great. You're right. You're right. Chris Everett, you're right. Oh, All of great. them were great. But yeah, Kobe, great. I, I, I got emotional. I just. Oh, it's, I, oh, it's I, understandable. To see, to see, to know that this person is gone. And by the way, when was Tiger Woods ever this great on camera? Just, it's amazing to me. Never. It, it no, it was amazing. Jack Nicholas talking about how he got Jack. into golf, that his father was a pharmacist. He had no, it was just, they revealed themselves, all, all of whom were very likable. They revealed themselves. I would just, I mean, everybody knows this, how I feel about Kobe. My favorite moments with Kobe is Kobe would call you over and say, that guy over there, I hate his guts. <laughs> it was just always good. It was a teammate. Yes. I hate him. I can't stand him. The, Who likes this guy? You saw so. the, 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 just the frankness. Just, all right. Of it all, it was it, so that was I that was TV yesterday, like you, kids. If you can watch minutes, it, three minutes of the All Star game. Yeah. I, I, if I could watch, if you have now, a chance, good. if you have a chance to see yes. either or both of these shows, please do it. All right, I'll Stop talk to you later. Doing and we'll do that. Yeah. All right, John. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll get out of here. Um, we will, Jay Billis will join us when we re, when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Vincero is back. We're always excited to have them. They know how important it is to look and feel your best, and they're here to help keep you feeling good wherever you go. If you're looking to upgrade your look, don't waste money on a cheap and basic watch that doesn't get you noticed. Vincero Watches is the perfect solution to your everyday style needs, in the office, on a date, and anywhere in between. Vincero makes it so you don't have to choose between function, looks, or price. They are the best of three worlds. Head over to VinceroWatches.com slash Tony, V-I-N-C-E-R-O, VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. Take advantage of my special discount while you shop. Check out the Chrono S in rose gold. You're welcome. Vincero understands the frustrations of online shopping. These guys get it. That's why they make it as easy as possible for you. With the new year, they're offering now a five-year warranty and 365-day return policy. That's fabulous. It's stress-free shopping with fair and honest prices. This is a timepiece you will use. This is a piece that will last. Vincero has the perfect blend of a classic look with a modern feel. Men's Journal recently called Vincero watches beautiful, bold, yet classic designs and the real deal. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash Tony. And my discount code, Tony, it'll be auto-applied at checkout. Do not pay full price on these beautiful timepieces. And don't forget to check out their sunglasses as well. Go to my link and check out this awesome brand, VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. Use the code. 
This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. I got my coffee, glanced at the news, my step tracking phone strapped to my side. I breathed the morning air, hopped upon my saddle, and took my hundred peloton ride. Dan Burn. I leave that closed captioning on 200th ride. I do the cycle class like serious cyclers do. 100th ride. And sometimes I just ride. <laughs> Such a great song, Michael. You got your Peloton shirt on? I don't have it on today. This is going to make Walker's year so wonderful. <laughs> Jay, do you, um, my son, of course, does Peloton riding. Do you do that by any chance? Do you do Peloton riding? I do. Yeah, I do. It got me, it got me through the first three quarters of the pandemic, and uh, I did it every day. And I got so tired of it that I haven't done it in about uh, three weeks. Did you get your 100th shirt, your 100th ride shirt like Michael did, in a, or a shout out from one of the instructors, however that works? Did you do that? Or are you anonymous no, when you do I, it? Yeah, I'm anonymous, and I don't take the I don't take live classes. Usually, I take the I just find them on the uh, directory, and you know, I, there are certain instructors I really like, and certain that annoy the hell out of me. So uh, <laughs> I kind of I kind of find what doesn't piss me off, and then ride to that. Michael, do you ride? Do you ride live rides? Oh, I, I've never done a live ride. Too intimidating. Oh, it's because they'll they'll point you out. I, or I feel like they could still see you through the little camera on top of the bike. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Did you feel that way too, Jay? Do you feel a, a sense of exposure if you do the live ride, or you just don't want to do it? No, I I just it's just been I don't know why I haven't done the live ones. Probably because I, I can't start them on time when I get there, and I don't want to wait for one to start. But my, my thing with it is I'm always looking at how I'm doing against other people my age. You know, if I'm around, like, people who are 25 or 30, I'm going, hey, you know, I feel pretty good about myself. And then I see some 65-year-old person kicking my ass, and I'm not particularly happy about it. Yes. So good. Competition. <laughs> Jay Billis is sort of like an accountant in the sense that there is a period of time where you are busy, 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 busy. Accountants have that. Uh, right before April 15th, and yours is essentially the same way. And I, I just, just from an overall standpoint, because I know it's a job, I know, and I know you love college basketball, you played college basketball, you're great at it. Has this, this season, Wilbon and I talk about this a lot, we're not engaged in it. We're, we feel that we try to make ourselves engaged in it, but we never, we never crossed the threshold into submerging ourselves in it as we used to all the time. How about you? It's about the same. I mean, I'm, I'm immersed in it because it's my job, but it's not been the same. And, uh, and I think the, the, the difficulty for me has been the loss of community in the sport that I didn't realize how much of my enjoyment for this, from uh, the sport came from the interactions with players and coaches and the day-to-day -day stuff and my colleagues. I mean, I can't even interact with my colleagues anymore. And, uh, and look, we're doing, everybody's doing the best they can. I think we've, we've all done uh, a good job, uh, to get to this point. But, um, it, it, I, I told a friend of mine the other day, it, it's like, it's like if you went to a comedy club and it was just you and the comic and you're, you're the only one in the audience, it's the same jokes and it's still funny. But for some reason, if you're not laughing with a whole bunch of people, 
you lose the, you lose a, a, a one of the most important elements of the experience. And I didn't realize what a community event. Uh, or I, I did realize, but I didn't I didn't internalize as I should have what a community event uh, a game really is. It's it's second probably only to a uh, a church service or something in uh, in how. Uh, there's a, a feeling of togetherness and a communal feeling. There is a real rhythm to it. I mean, even if you are in a booth, you know who the assistant directors are. You know who the stage manager is. You go into the truck. You know who the producer is. You may be alone in the booth, but prior to that, it is the community you talk about. You eat together. You drink together. You you have a common goal to make the show as good as you can. And if that is gone, and we've had this in PTI, and if that is gone, you may be able to do what you consider to be a good show or even a very good show for the conditions you're working under. But it never feels great in the way that you've had that great feeling a million times, right? You've had that in your life. Yeah, it, it's basically a do the best you can uh, uh, feeling. And, uh, and you know, the, the only positive there has been is there's no traffic after the game. Everything else is <laughs> And yeah. And so, you know, you can get in your car and get wherever you're going right away. and You don't have to sit in traffic or wait around or anything like that. So you don't have to deal with that stuff. And then it has changed, honestly, Tony, it's changed the on-air part of it that, you know, if I'm doing the Duke Carolina game or you name the, the game and, and there's a, a, a packed house and, and the place is juiced, when somebody makes a steal in a dunk or something, uh, you know, you let the crowd take it for a period of time and they get all the crowd shots and all that. And now we don't have that. So if you, if you do what you normally do, you've left a bunch of dead air. And, and it sounds like, you know, we're covering a, a practice on a Wednesday. Um, so you've had to change the way you broadcast games. And, and that's been a, a, a difficulty. And some of the games, honestly, um, there's no reason for me to be there. Because uh, because of all these protocols, and I get it, I'm not complaining about it, I'm just saying how it is. It's like we've been the same distance as a, a crew doing a football game has been. And so, I, you know, you're, you're like, I can't even identify some of the players. I'm not even exactly sure who some of them are. So you're, at times I've been calling the game off the monitor, which I've ne- off the TV set that, that we have, which I've never done. Uh, that, that's been used only for replay. So, you know, you've kind of had to change the way you do things a little bit, but, but it's all, you know, it's all part of the deal. Speaking to your first point, when I was doing Monday Night Football, th- th- this is the importance of crowds. You can watch a game from your house and you can almost make it feel like it's normal without crowds, but crowds play such an important part when you're broadcasting. Something would happen in football and I'd be ready to say something and I would hear in my ear the producer Jay Rothman and he would go lay out layout because as you're describing jay you're describing the the screaming from the crowd and and how even the people broadcasting the game have to be cognizant of that because that is that's the wave that carries you along and you don't have that now it's gone yeah that's the that's the emotional part of the experience for the fan and and for the broadcaster too i guess but my rule for myself, it's not, it's not a rule, but, but what I tell myself is it, it, over the years, if, if, to, if I have to raise my voice in any way to make my point uh, or say what I want to say, lay out, that, that it can wait. Like nobody's at home after some great thing when people are jumping up all over the place, you know, going, I wonder what Billis thinks. You know, they don't care. So leave it alone, and then when you get a replay later on, you can – 
praise the action or, or explain it or whatever you want to say. But in the moment, you just kind of have to leave it alone. And, and sometimes the best thing you can do as a broadcaster is to lay out. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm reminded of that all the time. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and let the, you know, let the energy, the organic part of the, of the, the play just take over. I should ask you this because everybody knows that you, you went to Duke. I think I'm right that you were on Mike Krzyzewski's first Final Four team. Am I right on that? First one? Yes, for First everything. First ACC champion, first NCAA tournament team, first Final Four team, first number one team, you name it. So you go back with him and that program and all of that. When you see Duke and North Carolina as they are now, marginal, certainly Duke is a marginalized team. Is there, is there any feeling internally that maybe you even want to suppress, but any feeling of sadness no, there, there, it's not a feeling of sadness. It's just a feeling of empathy for any team that's going through this. And, and one of the things that I, I remind some of my colleagues when, you know, we talk about Duke and Carolina and some of these in Michigan State this year, it's uh, teams that have struggled at times. And, and it seems like we're always talking about them. And, and they're, uh, they're middling this year. And that's, you know, that happens. But, you know, we're, we're – I tried to explain, like, this is the way the overwhelming majority of teams in the country, that's how they feel every year. Like, it's a grind for everybody every year. The exceptions are Duke and Kansas and Carolina and some of these teams, Gonzaga that, and Villanova, that, that are winning all the time. And when they have a tough year, we're, we're like, what's wrong with them? Oh, my God, what's wrong with them? it's it's sort of normal for the teams to go through this process when they're really young and they struggle and they win two in a row and we think they've turned the corner and then they lose two in a, two in a row and we think the world's ending. Um, it, it reminded me, when I watched them, it reminds me of my freshman year in, in, in college where we started all freshmen and you know, we had, we had lost a lot of close games. We got blown out a few times and, and we wound up having a losing record. And uh, and we turned it around the next year and became you know a ranked team every year from then on out. But it was hard to figure out like how do we get out of this? And uh, and you know it took the summer until we we kind of learned you know we could regroup. You can't regroup during the season. It's really hard to do that. And uh, you know I liken it to you know you're in a fight uh, you're in a fight and you're getting punched and the bell never rings. It only rings at the end of the fight. And that's how that's how we felt, and I think that's how Duke feels right now. And uh, you know, we we sit we sit on the sidelines as broadcasters and, and observers and writers and all this stuff, journalists. And and I'm not saying we shouldn't do this; it's our job. We should. But but you know, it's funny we make these pronouncements, and we have to be definitive all the time. Instead of there, sometimes we just don't know. And and with Duke, when Jalen Johnson opted out, they're better off without him. People are saying they're better off, and I was like, "What are you kidding? They're not better off without a lottery pick." Yeah, and it's not his fault. And then when they won a few games without him, now all of a sudden you're saying they're three and zero without him. That proves it. And like, stop, stop saying that. That's not true. It's not true. And and it's not just one thing. You can't just point to one thing. And it's not. And they're not a bad team now that they've lost three in a row. They're they're, they're a decent team that is struggling to win just like every most everybody else. It's just, I mean, at my age, it's just sort of shocking to me. What I grew up with as a sports writer, 
starting when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, and before that when I was watching college basketball. The notion that the ACC and the Big East are not great is just very hard for me to comprehend. You know, it, it, it really is. Yes. They're just, you know, you go, but they're always great. Well, they're not great now, and it's just not weird for year. me. I, no, it's, yeah, it's just very year. weird for me. And there's, yeah. in the ACC, to your point, there's no, there's not a single ACC player on the Wooden Award uh, uh, Final 15 list. So they, they put 15 finalists out right before the end of the season as we get to March Madness. Not a single ACC player. And usually, Tony, in our in our experience in our lifetimes, if you're first team All ACC, you're in, you're a first round draft pick in the NBA. And yeah. that that isn't true this year. It's not. And and you know we're we're flipping coins as to who's going to be first team All ACC and who's going to be Player of the Year and all that stuff. Um, that's usually not the case. Thank you so much for for being on. I hope to play golf with you at some point, and we'll call you from when you're in the bubble in Indianapolis. If you, are you going to go? Or you, well, you'll go to I that, I assume. No, You're not going. No, uh, no, it's too restrictive. Um, I can actually accomplish more outside of it with uh, television duties and writing and all that other stuff because uh, once you're in the bubble, and I think some of this is because of optics, you can't leave your hotel. And even the – how about this, Tony? Even the, the people that are on the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, they're not allowed to leave their hotels. So they're, they're going to be in strict isolation wow. and they're going to be no closer to the players than, than the fans that they let in, but they don't want it. They don't want it to look like the players are being isolated and nobody else. So they're going to isolate everybody and say, see, we're doing it with every, we're the NCAA. We're doing it with everybody. What the schools did is on them. What the conferences did is on them. This is us. And, uh, and you know, the, some of the, some of the committee members are like, are you kidding? Like I can't even walk outside or take a jog. That makes no sense, but but that's what they're doing. They, they're they're going to be there. The committee members are going to be there for close to a month without being able to leave leave their hotel unless they're going, you know, in their hermetically sealed uh, uh, buses to the uh, to the arena itself. My God, it's like Tom Hanks in the terminal. Do not go outside. Do not go outside. That's America. Do not go out. Wow, that's where. All right, we'll talk. Thank you, Jay. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. Bye bye. Jay Billis, boys and girls, it's always a pleasure. The pleasure to do this show today. Uh, we will take a break. When we return, we have email and jingles, or jingles, jingle, and emails, however <laughs> that works. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Michelob Ultra Read. In sports, if you think joy only happens after you win, think again. Look at the world's most successful athletes. They don't spend all their days grinding away. They take the time to enjoy themselves, like having a Michelob Ultra with friends, because they know that happiness is the key to winning and that joy is the whole game, not just the end game. In my life as a sports writer and somebody on television, I can think of two teams that exemplified this more than others. And I don't want you to get the wrong impression, because to be a professional athlete means you have to work very, very hard at it. You're in an extraordinarily narrow slice of accomplishment when you reach the pros. But having fun is important as well. I would give you two. I would give you the 2019 Nats, who every time they hit a home run, danced in the dugout. And when they danced in the dugout, the camera stayed on them. And it made all of us who rooted for the team very happy. And there was a sidebar to that. If Adam Eaton or Howie Kendrick were involved in a play that resulted in a run, they sat next to each other on the bench and they did a power shift as if they were driving a car. And that, too, gave them great joy and gave us as viewers great joy. 
The obvious other example is the 85 Bears, maybe the greatest single-season team in the NFL when they put together the Super Bowl shuffle, and everyone went, oh, my God, you can't do that. That's going to jinx you. you got to keep your nose to the grindstone. But no, they were the best team ever. They went through the playoffs something like 91-10. to 10. And even Wilbon knows how good they were, and I don't get angry when he says it. So that is the great joy that you can take from sports. Michelob Ultra, 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbs. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Dream of college kids with something around their waists. The safekeeping products in the undies well encased. <laughs> I make this sacrifice to save them from disgrace. Never comprehending the trousers falling down. I'll share my box of belts with you. I'll share with it's inefficient that these Bearcat belts would all be mine. I only need a belt or two. I'll share with you. I'll share my Bearcat belts with you. Fabulous. It's the belt song, Steve Lipton in Springfield. That is fabulous. Always happy when Steve Lipton sings and writes for us. Um, Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Got the bagel sandwiches again this morning. Always makes for a great day when that happens. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, John and Mitchie, we're getting kind of itchy just to leave the folk music behind. Zoll and Denny working for a penny, trying to get a fish on the line in a coffee house. Sebastian sat at the night owl, and after every number, they'd pass the hat. That's from Creek Alley. It's a wonderful tune. Wonderful tune by what is now an icky human yes. being. <laughs> icky. Thanks to our guests today. By the way, can just let me say this. Wilbon and Billis, they were terrific. I mean, they were both just terrific, animated and terrific. Thanks to our sponsors as well. Vincero, Solo Stove, Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. This comes from Tony Beeson. I was dining at one of those high-end restaurants the other night, Shea Applebee's. I ordered tomato soup off their exquisite selection of menu choices. This tastes like spaghetti sauce, I remarked to the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. Send it back, she suggested thoughtfully. No way, I retorted. It's delicious. Since food has become a popular topic recently, I ask you, is there really a difference between Campbell's tomato soup and ragu spaghetti sauce? Next time you're at the Refugee Safeway, check the labels on each. Tomato puree, sugar, salt, onion powder, garlic powder. The consistency is different, I'll grant you that, but beyond the superficial, they're the same basic food. Culinary information for life. You can watch my cooking show, Man in the Kitchen, on the Facebook, where I teach culinary challenge masculine children how to prepare basic meals like cereal with milk. Oh, wait, you don't subscribe? Never mind. By the way, I've come to find out that Man in the Kitchen is also the name of a popular South Korean soap opera, which explains why I get daily Facebook friend feeds from Seoul. From Mike Passy in Peterborough, Ontario, in Canada. I'm not sure what I enjoy more. Nigel's surprise when it's time for the Bethesda Bagels ad, or Tony's surprise when people send him free stuff, when he's always shamelessly telling people to send him free stuff. I don't know why both make me so happy, but they do. Good luck with the water bill. 
from McDaniel, professor of mathematics at Aquinas College. Best greetings, Dr. Tony. Forget Cadbury. Do you like Fabergé eggs? Say that on the podcast and see what happens. Thawing out, it's from Mike in Lowell. Oh, okay. Oh, this is this is from Dave Finley. This is fabulous. Hi, Mr. Tony. It's Dave from Maine, a.k.a. L.L. Bean Pants Man. Pant Man. I wanted to respond to being called a gas bag by the Land's End fanboy. There are several reasons to choose L.L. Bean over Land's End. First, L.L. Bean was founded by Leon Leon Wood Bean, a renowned outdoorsman who field-tested every product. Side note, who names their kids Leon Leon Wood? Land's End was started, Land's End was started by a marketing executive. I know how you and Wilbon feel about marketers. Second, the Land's End apostrophe is in the wrong place, after the S instead of before. Any self-respecting Binghamton English major should be appalled and boycott the company. I could go on about how Maine lobster is better than Wisconsin cheese or do a deep dive into which state has more Subaru drivers. In reality, both companies make decent pants, and you should probably move on to more fascinating topics like inflated water bills and whether there will be cloud cover over tonight's full moon. As always, keep up the good work, and I can't wait until those whiny Eddie Bauer folks weigh in. Best Dave Finley. From Scotty Baker in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Sorry to hear about your water bill problems. I wonder if you've thought about putting the head of a horse into the bed of a certain CEO. It works every time. From Stanley Stern. You might already have heard this from one of the many experts you have had check out your Rehoboth house. I was speaking to a good friend of mine who also owns a house in Rehoboth. When I described your water bill, he immediately said you have a leak. I told him you have had numerous experts try to find leaks to no avail, and he told me that houses in Rehoboth have their water meters away from the house, like in the sidewalk. And a leak could be between the house and the meter, like underground. You might want to check this out. From Jim Flynn in Colebrook, Connecticut. Chatter would still be around if you had been printing out Wilbon's Chili. That's on that 3D printer. (laughs) Steve Eisenberger in Columbia, Pennsylvania. I'm an investigative reporter, and I'm gathering information on what could be a huge story. My reporting has disclosed that several outlets that have meat delivered to consumers may in fact be substituting a man-made meat via the use of advanced 3D printing technology in place of actual organic and natural meat. This meat, while generally uh, tastes in no way discernibly different, has been caused to create disturbing and troublesome side effects with some individuals, particularly men over 65. Side effects include one more of the following. Skin color becomes a strange orange hue, increased irritability and crankiness, an odd fascination with the moon, an unusual disdain for ketchup, unwillingness to live in current times and harken back to older, more simpler times, and in more advanced stages, an odd and troublesome trait of expecting, no demanding, all people with whom they interact provide them with free stuff, such as food, <laughs> alcohol, clothes, shoes, watercolor paintings, golf, golf outings, etc. Fortunately, Gluck Vaccine, located in Cambridge, Massachusetts, has been furiously working on a vaccine. This is, this is funny. Steve Eisenberger. Uh, Aaron in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. When I was a student, I was going through my bank statements, and I noticed I had made regular mortgage payments over the past four months. This was odd, since I still lived at home with my parents. I called the bank to find out what was going on. The guy from the bank asked me if I was sure I didn't have a mortgage on a house. He asked me if maybe I had a cottage that I had forgotten about. I told him I was 100% sure. I don't own a house or a cottage. I was a student, scrubbing hooks at a golf course, making a little more than minimum wage with a net worth in the low four figures, and assured him I had never taken out a mortgage. When I checked my next bank statement, not only had they credited me for three of the four mortgage payments as promised, they'd also credited me for three more mortgage payments. I decided to call again to point out this error, although I was tempted not to. I decided to change banks after that phone call. From Brian Schwab in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I like ketchup. I like mustard, especially spicy brown mustard. I like salsa. I don't like mayo. Keep your stinking mayo away from my sandwich. I sort of like hot sauce. I don't eat meals over the kitchen sink. Sometimes I do eat meals seated on a stool at my kitchen counter. 
I also like bagels. I really, really like beer. In its simplicity, that's one of the great emails we've ever had. <laughs> Reese in London. Luckily, you don't like to complain, or Monday's open could have been really negative. I'd said I didn't like that. <laughs> Matt Little, an actual Little in Pearl, Mississippi. Over the weekend, we acquired a new dog, a German Shepherd. Much deliberation ensued about what we should name this six-year-old canine. But I thought you would feel honored that my six-year-old child, a feminine child, seriously suggested that we name him the Tony Kornheiser Show. Isn't that nice? We ultimately suggested on Ovechkin slash Ovi. This dog will not suck this year. Uh, Adam and Haymarket. I have a cat. She cannot flush toilets. My water bill is approximately $50 monthly in the 20169 Haymarket, Virginia. My cat is now a lean but winter coat fluffy 7.8 pounds. And from David Chow in Seattle, Washington. Last week, I had my own David Aldridge moment when you read aloud the name Patrick Finley at the top of last Monday's show. And I said, I know that guy. And you read a touching email written by Patrick, his twin brother, Ryan, and fellow little Brian Rosenbaum on, behalf, on my behalf as I head into kidney transplant surgery. Cue the waterworks. I wanted to send you a thank you for all the kind thoughts and say that the surgery was a success for both my kidney donating wife, Alicia, and me. The plan is for me to be released back into the Subaru-filled oak milk latte and artisanal espresso ice cream streets of Seattle on the road to recovery. Thank you for keeping my spirits up during this challenging time and for decades of laughs and insight. Your show has been connective tissue for four friends spread across the country and a helpful reminder to always use the code. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the chaputzpah to do it.
Tracking phone strapped to my side I breathed the morning air Hopped upon my saddle And took my hundredth peloton ride Hundredth ride Strength and meditation too Hundredth ride I leave that closed captioning on too Hundredth ride I do the cycle class like serious cyclers do Hundredth ride and sometimes I just ride My century ride I'll never forget it I squinted and spat in the dirt The only disappointment was that it took Three weeks to get my shirt Hundredth ride Strength and meditation too Hundredth ride Close captioning on two hundred thrive. I do the cycle class like serious cyclers do. Hundred thrive. And sometimes I just ride. Hundred thrive. Hundred thrive. 